This week's episode of Finding Demo Surf Fishing is being brought to you by DS Custom Tackle. Head on over to dscustomtackle.com and take a look at all the things that they've got brewing in the website. Beads, slider sinkers, split rings, snelled hooks, hoochie squids. And we've talked about these on every one. they got a lot of cool stuff. But if you go through the website and you navigate through, you're going to notice you can find numerous different pieces, whether you need a gear package, a fishing rig, high-low, or the BS surf fishing, berry stuff out there down in the south or east Florida there on the Atlantic. Lots of good stuff. So head on over to dscustomtackle.com, get your order in, get set up for success. New episode, good stuff coming your way. Hope that everything is going well wherever you are and whatever you're doing. I know it's still winter when you know, this lot, this one's coming out, so possibly at the beach. Maybe. That'd be cool. Lots of fish are still getting caught. Lots of limits, actually, here in our area. Well, this week, we are traveling up north, and we are heading to the South Carolina region. We're heading towards Buford, South Carolina. Uh, and it's kind of funny that this next guest coming on is uh, out of Buford, because we were talking pre-show about, I'm like, where are you? And he said, Buford, all I could think is, ah, you're right by Paris Island, home of the Marine Corps for training. Even if you're a West Coastie, whatever, I won't judge you too hard. But it's good stuff right there. South Carolina, we've had numerous episodes out of there talking about how good the fishery is. And, I mean, you can't get much better. But this time, we're taking it a step up. Yeah, we're going a little bit of surf, but we're going heavy land-based shark fishing. This week, we are talking with the Salty Savage Experience, Eli Glisson. You can find him on facebook and tiktok if you go look up the salty savage experience on facebook you'll probably pop right up i'll also have it hyperlinked back in the description of the episode and also with a tiktok i'll have that link back in there so without further ado i've been excited for this let's get it on eli welcome to the show brother what's going on brian it's good to be here man looking forward to talking to you about a little bit of shark fishing action and uh just really excited to be here, man. Like you said, it's winter time and it's cold and I haven't got to fish in the last couple months. And I'm just really looking forward to the springtime, man. And this is going to be a good little relief. Kick the wintertime blues. Oh yeah. That, that springtime, man. It mean that, that run, the change in the water temperature, all the fish coming back. It's like, it's like rebirth and happiness. So, okay. Everything else doesn't matter. I'm, I'm, you need me. I'll be at the beach. Yeah, pretty much. Exactly, man. It's like, it's like my Christmas. Basically, the end of March, I'm like, okay, here we go. Everything's good. I'm like, just excited. Life's better. It's like, you got sunshine, sharks, and salt. You know, the three S's, and you're good. <laughs> I like that. The three S's. I'm going to have to remember yeah. that one, man. Oh, dang. All right. So, you, I, I got to jump right in here. We're going to uh, bring up a picture before we even discuss questions here. Okay. Um, if you okay. guys go on Facebook and you open up his page, on the if you look at the images probably top row and the second picture is a giant hammer that, oh yeah that's a big shark oh yeah man I've, I've got a couple big big hammers under my belt which is which is an honor in itself are you talking about the one what i think you're talking about where i'm holding him up by his head and in the water and, <laughs> you're and i got my arm up. yeah i'm flexing yeah. with that yeah that was a. Uh, that was a story that I'll never forget, man. That was a 14-foot flat hammerhead right out of Melbourne, Florida. I was fishing with uh, my good buddy, Jake Barker. He runs No Name Shark Charters. And uh, this was, I think it was 2018, basically right when land-based shark fishing started really taking off. It was like the year between 2018 and 2020 when a bunch of big hammers were getting caught. And, uh, man, we went out. We caught a black tip, turned around, sent him right back out. Within 10 minutes, we were hooked up the longest hour and a half of my life and a 14 foot thousand pound shark basically showed up on the shore and it was just me and him, the two guy team. And, uh, we gave it all we had, man. And, uh, what we were doing is we were releasing her and a dude walking down the beach. We were walking her back out. She just gave birth. Matter of fact, which is crazy. We were out there releasing her. Next thing you know, we have little sharks hitting our legs and, uh, we look down and there's all these little baby hammers. So like, Oh man, we got to really get her going. My buddy was like, look up at the beach, look up at the beach. There's a dude taking pictures. So he's like, get her head up. So I just threw her head up and jumped up, and the dude caught an awesome picture, which was hilarious. And then we let her go, and she swam away, man. 
<laughs> Baby sharks, not let go of my mother. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's basically what we were thinking. We were like, oh shit, this isn't good. Oh man, I could totally see that. Nice catches. You got a lot of great, a uh, lot of great images up of different species you've caught, and we're definitely gonna yeah, get into that once we get into the charter side because. Um, we could jump right in there, but I want to back it up, man. Like always, when I start these episodes, I like starting in the beginning. I like hearing about how it is, you know, how you started, where you got. So tell us your story and what got you into fishing. Okay. So, well, I grew up here in Beaufort, South Carolina on, uh, we're sea islands. So we have a bunch of little islands. Like how you said, Paris Island, there's ladies Island, St. Helen Island. And I'm from St. Helen Island. So I grew up on a horse farm and it was like a mile long dirt road and there was deep water at the end of my parents' property. And uh, so I was, I grew up fishing the marsh, you know, reds and trouts and whiting and little stingrays and baby sharks. And we would jump into kayaks and wade and do all that. And then uh, I think I was about like 15 and I hooked into the biggest, I didn't know it at the time. I thought it was a manta ray. That's how, how naive I was back then. But it was a big cow nose ray. And he pulled around my kayak for like 45 minutes on like a little Walmart setup. And I was hooked. And I was like, man, I got to find how to catch bigger and better fish. And it was uh, me and my brother Judah. We fished our whole lives together. That's he was my partner, and you know we've always fished together. And uh, so we started fishing pretty heavy, you know, trying to surf fish and pier fish, and just using you know like bigger baits. You know, we would, instead of using a shrimp, we were like, okay, we'll use a jumbo shrimp and a chunk of mullet. And then I remember fishing the Broad River Bridge, and uh, we were down there, and we weren't really catching much. And next thing you know, this dude comes walking down, and he's got a giant bull red on. Whoa. and uh, he's like hey guys you got a net and we're like yeah man we got a net so i drop a net down and uh we net this fish for him and we're like what's going on man and he was like i'm wyatt glass and i'm like wyatt great to meet you and we introduce ourselves and uh like five minutes later he's got a shark rod going off and he catches like a five foot black tip and you know we help him get it up and then a friendship sparked and uh wyatt basically gave us the steps to shark fishing and big game fishing just showing us bigger baits, better reels, bigger leaders, everything like that. And a uh, friendship ignited. And uh, Wyatt was actually the first person I ever ran a charter with a few years ago and uh, was really the one who pushed me to go. So he, I give all my thanks to Wyatt Glass for getting me into shark fishing. Dude, that's awesome, man. Oh, I always say mentors and friends are huge in life in general, but fishing, oh, absolutely huge. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. Me and him have done a lot. Like I said, first charter, uh, we won the Forgotten Coast Shark Tournament down close to you, like St. George Island, a couple years ago in 2020. We won it with a 12-9 hammer down there. So, yeah, he definitely gave me the steps to go and just kind of took it from there. And we just learned together because he wasn't doing it too long before me. And uh, just trial and error, man, we got into it. Dude, I'm gonna have to have I'm gonna have to have you uh, find a way to sneak down here. We got some great shark fishing uh, oh, yeah. that uh, is just top notch. I, I think you would have a lot of fun. Uh, I know that Salt Squatch uh, has numerous times caught a nice set of uh, scallop hammers and some others in yeah, the yeah. Uh, right on the backside of Pickens um, inland a bit there. But he's just that man knows how to catch some sharks. So yeah, you can oh, get yeah, down here sure. and have some fun. Oh yeah, no man, I would love to. That would that's uh definitely for this winter. I'm gonna check off Fit in Florida again. Just since I've had my daughter and everything, it's just been been crazy, you know how it is. And uh so yeah. just to get a little bit of time to sneak away. I'm looking forward to tangling with a shark before uh it gets too long before spring gets here. I gotta warm up, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Absolutely. Back gotta have that start. Yes, sir. Well so now you do that. You've done a lot of fishing in your entire life. And here we are today. What type of fishing do you like to do now? Pretty much land-based shark fishing, man. That's like okay. my go-to. And uh, and I like to fish for like big drum, big black drum. I love it. Usually first uh, first week of March, we get some really big black drum that run through. And uh, I usually like to start my year off with, there, with that and go use little jigging reels and go pull up, you know, 50, 60 pound black drum right off the pier. And uh, people are usually pretty mind blown by that. So I, that's always like fun fish to me. The bite, they usually bite either right at dead low or right at high tide. And you can go down there for a couple hours and stick a really big fish. So I love doing that. Like me and my fiance, we do that. And she really likes it. <laughs> but the shark fishing is, is uh, my personal favorite, man. I, there's just something different about going down to the beach, jumping in a kayak, paddling out between 100 to 1,000 yards, depending on where you're at and what you're dropping. And facing the ocean and basically no GPS, no coordinates, no nothing, just dropping a bait out there, 
turn around, coming to the beach and fight the number one apex predator back to shore. And then when, as soon as you get them there, you unhook them and let them go. It's just a beautiful thing. It's just a whole, whole different adrenaline rush. I can imagine. I mean, a thousand pounder versus a 200 pounder person. Yeah. <laughs> that's... Oh, oh yeah, man. Mono, mono on a string, you know, and that's the other thing. It's just, just been, and like when I take people on a guided trip, I'm like, we're basically trying to, you know, we're hunting the ba- biggest, biggest, baddest fish on our side of the water. You know what I'm saying? He's the number one apex predator in the water. So we're just trying to basically set a trap to catch him. When you think about it, I got a reel that's on the beach and I got a bait out between three to 500 yards with a rig that's 40 foot long and a big old chunk of bait. You're just waiting on the biggest, baddest guy to show up. It's a good way to put it right there. <laughs> Very yeah. nicely put. Well, so what is your favorite thing about fishing? My favorite thing about fishing, the unknown, man, because you never know. Honestly, it's, it's like you go out there, it could be the worst conditions, everything you don't think is going to happen. And then it can go from a horrible day to one of the most memorable days in your whole life. And a blink of an eye can either be, you know, you get there and within the first 10 minutes you're hooked up and you're like, oh, crap, this is awesome. Like we're, we're already on. And then other days, you know, you really grind and you put in everything, all your effort into it. And then literally as you're packing up, you can have a rod go off and you're like, dude, everything was worth it. You're like, man, I'm sick of today. Like I'm ready just to go home. It's hot. I got sand in places. There shouldn't be sand. I've been waiting here for, you know, seven, eight hours. And the next thing you know, everything changes in a blink of an eye. So I really think the unknown is probably my favorite because you never know the day you're going to catch your personal best or you're going to have just, you know, a phenomenal day where something crazy, some crazy shit just blows up right in front of your face. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's for sure. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Keeping on with the favorites here, I got two more favorite questions for you. What is your favorite fish to target? My favorite fish to target, well, it's going to be, Oh, that's tough. Not tough, but I love, I, I basically love working the whole food chain. You know what I'm saying? I yep. love the process. Sharks are definitely my, my number one. I'm definitely a shark guy. Like that's would be like, I always would be for the longest. So I'm just a shark fisherman. And then I gradually learned to imply everything else into it. So yeah, for like my local area, it would probably be big lemon sharks on spinning gear would probably be my favorite thing to target in Beaufort. You know what I'm saying? And you get a fish that's eight, nine foot on an 8,500 spin fish or a slammer, and he can pull 150 yards or 150 yards of line at 20 pounds of drag. That's fun. You know what I'm saying? It takes you 30, 40 minutes, and it's a battle. And you get him up, and you're like, sweet, man. I got a fish that's, you know, bigger than me on a spinning rod. (laughs) Yeah. God, that's insane. Mm-hmm. Well, let's jump right into the good stuff here. Um, I'm actually going to do things a little different. We're going to talk about your guide service, and then we'll go into your knowledge here. So let's talk about okay. the actual business side of this. What got you into guiding? You gave me a little bit there, you know, with why I given you the education there. Was there any other catalyst that made you go, I want to guide? Okay, so so I've worked a bunch of different jobs. I'm a, I'm a plumber and a guide now, but so I was working in downtown Beaufort as a bouncer and a bartender and a cook. So I was doing a little bit of everything. And I knew everybody and people were, you know, on my Facebook and stuff like that. And they were always like, oh, man, I want to go catch a shark with you. I want to go catch a shark with you. And uh, in 2020, when uh, Corona hit, the lockdown hit, I had a lot of free time, man. (laughs) And uh, I really dialed on. And I caught 167 sharks in the span of the summer all over five foot. Dang, man. uh, That was the same year that we won the Forgotten Coast Shark Tournament with the 12 nine hammer being the biggest. And a uh, majority of that was solo. I, pro- I would say a hundred of those sharks were, I was completely solo, just me. And uh, it was a, it was a crazy year, man. And uh, so my buddy Wyatt, he, uh, he started his business as an oil and grease cleaning solutions guy, which I'm super proud of. And he's built a huge business that's going all over the Southeast. And uh, he was like, dude, everybody's always like, they want to go shark fishing with you see what you got to do to become a guide. And he was like, charge these guys. Cause we did a couple like charters, just people that we would meet and be like, Oh, we really want to do this. We'll pay you to go. And we'd be like, yeah, sure. Cool. Let's go. And uh, we just were kind of like winging it. And he was like, no, you need to figure out what to do to make it like legitimate and really go. And uh, so the next day I did, and I made an advertising on Facebook and the same day I was booked the next day, <laughs> which was awesome. <laughs> nice. Yeah, man. Well, that's what got you there. So what comes with going on a guided trip with you? 
Okay, so like, so when we're going to the beach, so I just say we're going to do, I offer a few different trips. I offer day and nighttime trips. I offer deployment shark base trips, cast outs, pier trips, and then like regular surf fishing trips, just depending on like what the client wants to do. The majority of my trips, I would say 90% of them are either land or a beach or pier fishing for sharks and everything all included. Cause that includes surf fishing, medium fish is what I call like bull reds, big stingrays, three to four foot sharks. And then we got the big sharks, which my average is five to eight foot. I have a super shallow water fishery here. I don't have the monsters like Florida where we can catch, you know, 10, 15, 10 plus sharks every year. I'm going to catch maybe one or two. Yeah. And uh, so what uh, I, I provide everything, all, all gear, all tackle, bait. I bring a cooler full of waters, all the chairs, a canopy. And uh, we start from the bottom of the food chain and work our way up. So we'll start, we'll start by fishing for, you know, like whiting, stingrays, bluefish, sail cats. We'll get some pompano. We have a, we have a undiscovered pompano fishery around here, but it's nothing crazy. We don't get very big pompano, but we'll catch pompano, which is pretty cool. And then I'll, I'll throw a, a big cut bait on, you know, a bigger spinning rod and uh, it'll be, you know, a live whiting we call it or a chunk of mullet. Cast that out and we'll catch black tip sharks, big stingrays. Sometimes we'll get some really nice fish on casting gear. The biggest we caught this year was an eight and a half foot lemon on like a casted chunk of whiting and a six and a half foot bull shark. So they're, they're around, you know what I'm saying? Those nicer fish are close too. And then uh, I'll jump in the kayak and I'll take a, I take three rods out, usually 350 wides and uh, like a 1050 uh, slammer. And I'll paddle those out from a hundred to 500 yards out. And then we just wait and see what happens. That is intense. I mean, that's high yeah, speed man. right there. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, man, it's 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 everything. And uh, I do have a buddy. His name's Jake Jacob Hunt. He helps me a little bit on my pier charters, but most of the beach charters I do completely solo. It's just me. It's uh, me. I don't have any help. The the clients are the help. I would say they're learning how to do it. Some guys book with me just to learn. You know, get the rundown, the basics, so that they can turn around and do it themselves. Which that's probably one of my greatest feelings is when I take a group of guys out and then they turn around and they catch one on their own. Yeah. The education that guides give for people, I love it because in reality, oh, yeah. you know, we may never see you again. We may never be in that South Carolina zone again. That right. Exactly. Huge help for people. So thank you for doing that, man. It, it just helps people get a leg up, but also helps them understand the sport and makes them, I mean, just a little bit better out there. So thank you for doing right. stuff like that. Well, thank you, brother. I really appreciate it. Because it's like if you would have asked me 10 years ago, Eli, do you think you could ever be a land-based shark fishing guide or a <laughs> land-based fishing guide? I would have told you, hell no. There's not enough fish in the ocean off the beaches that you could catch when I really first started getting into it. But after the last three, I'll be going into my third season this year. So uh, after three years of doing it, it's it's totally completely gone the opposite direction. I'm like, this is great, man. I'm getting paid to do what I love and help people and really, you know, I can help advocate for the sport and, you know, do what I love and make a little bit of money doing it. Never bad to be paid some days, I gotta say. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> what is your favorite part about running a charter? Honestly, man, my favorite is seeing the people light up their face when like I, I've never thought I could be so excited about seeing, you know, a five, six foot shark before, like we catch a five foot black tip. And to me, that's, you know, just, that's basically average. I compare a lot of it to like deer hunting where like, it's like a doe, you know what I'm saying? A five foot black tip is, and then you get like a six or seven foot lemon shark. And it's like a little six point buck. And basically every foot's like a size comparison for like deer antlers is basically how I kind of pointed out to people. And so, but their face, when they catch their first five foot shark or bigger shark than that, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I've had clients, I took this one guy out, he was a drill instructor, and his first fish ever, he never caught a fish, he's only been fishing one time before that, we caught an eight-foot lemon shark on a spinning rod, on a on an 8,500 spin fisher, and uh, the guy did it like a champ, and his face from ear to ear was probably the greatest thing I've ever seen, and little kids, like kids that are, you know, ages between like eight and 12, when they see a shark and that's all they wanted to see in their faces, they light up and they just can't believe it. It's just the greatest feeling because you know it's a memory that's going to stick with them forever and that it is it is you know it's timeless they'll never forget that they'll be 80 years old to talk about the time they caught a shark with eli the salty savage yeah buddy that's that good yeah. stuff right there that's good man it just makes you it gives you like butterflies like you know you just like warm happy feeling 
it's like that's what I live for. That's what I like to see. Yep, outstanding. How so? How is running a charter different than your normal fishing day? Uh, a few less beers. Well, no <laughs> beers on a charter, but but that's uh, I pretty much man. That's what I've learned is I've I've always fished hard, even when I'm I'm not on a guide. I might yak a couple less baits if I'm fishing for myself. But uh, you know, when I'm when I'm on a guided trip, it's uh, we're we're getting it done. And I really I fish about the exact same when I'm not on a guided trip. My brother, my my friends all tell me they're like Eli, you, you know, you're not on a you're not you're not at work right now. And I'm like, oh no, man, we're trying to catch these fish. This is I'm not going to be happy till we get it done. <laughs> I like to smoke a pack of cigarettes, stressed out until we get one. But you know, that's uh, that's just my main mission, man. And that's that's I live for it. It's it is my drug. It's my it's my addiction is hearing that 50 wide just start screaming going going to africa is what i say when he takes off he's just going to africa he's dumping us and we hook up and he keeps going best feeling in the whole world so basically my normal day of fishing and a charter fishing trip are about the same <laughs> they're pretty much it's all it's it's a lot of work for a great reward yeah then and you're not kidding about the work they uh, it is not an easy thing running a shark land bay shark fishing outfit no, no, no. We're I'm I'm probably pulling 300, 300 pounds of gear, a canopy, enough chairs for everybody, a cooler full of you know a fifty four a fifty quart cooler full of water, another fifty quart cooler full of full of bait and uh, eight rod. I usually run about eight rods, rods out from you know bait rods all the way to the big rigs, kayak paddle everything. Yeah, so and then we walk and that's the other thing. I walk pretty far, man. So I can even run trips in the daytime. I just avoid all swimmers and basically I'll take people on a mile walk and they'll be like, do you want any help carrying anything? I'm like, Nope, this is what you, what you paid me for. I'm here to show you how it's done. Good stuff. I mean, seriously yeah. good stuff. And that's, I've watched the land-based shark fishing guys set their gear up here in our area. And, uh, Dylan, we're one of the top guys that I always love he's seeing. One of, he's one of, he's one of the greatest shark fishermen to, to come out of the state of Florida. He's a hell of a shark fisherman. He's a good dude, man. Dylan is, he, I've watched him and his team, they kick all that gear. And I'm just like, man, uh, you want help? And like, no, we know what we're doing. I'm like, oh, I know, you know, I mean, that's just a trailer oh, yeah. full of equipment. So y'all, oh, yeah. y'all don't have the, the easy luxury of a surf fishing card and a couple of no, rods. No, yeah, no, I got it rigged up. My surf fishing card, I call it the train, man, because I'll have, I'll have the cart and then attached to my cart because it's, like I said, it's usually just me. I don't have a team that can go with me basically anytime. So I rigged the kayak to the cart, loaded down the kayak with a bunch of gear, and then the cart's loaded down with a bunch of gear, and then walked about a mile down. It's always like a big choo-choo train. I got a, an 11 and a half foot Persepco Tribe bright orange kayak, so you can't miss me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yep. It's like a 12-foot-long train, 14-foot-long train just going down the beach. Man. Oh, that's so cool. Sorry. I'm all like, getting a little giddy. Oh, yeah. No, you're good, man. What is your service area? Where do you do your charters? Okay, so Beaufort, Beaufort County. So I fish pretty much all over Beaufort. I fish basically all our beaches that I have public access to. So like Hunting Island State Park, I fish. I fish Lands Inn, Broad River Bridge. There's a couple other little spots that I have that are that nobody really knows about. They're just like little inlet spots. And uh, but basically the north end of Broad River because Hilton Head Island. I wish I could legally fish over there because it has some of the best shark fish in the world but you can't surf fish there from april to september and there's no shark fishing at all allowed and uh kind of learned about that the hard way which i'm not going to go into but yeah it's uh it sucks to be over there so i have to make my clients just come over to the north side of the island back into the north side of beaver county where i have no problems where i'm i'm actually super supported over here and they love it which is awesome definitely good to be have support and learning lessons are sometimes best the hard way even though they suck oh, yeah. and they're expensive uh, but we won't talk about that oh, oh yeah <laughs> how do people book a trip or look you up about going on a charter okay so most of it, it's all pretty much through facebook man that's like my number one is definitely facebook so you can just look up the salty savage experience you can message me directly on there and i also have my phone number on there so you can call or text me but most people do just book straight through Facebook and uh, word of mouth too, where I have, you know, cards at all my local bait shops 
And uh, but if anybody's out there, if you're you know you're in Kansas and you want to book a trip, just message us at the Salty Savage Experience, and I'll get back with you. I do it all. It's a it's a one man show from the scheduling to the booking to everything like that. <laughs> wrecking ball one way. I like it. Oh yeah, man. Well, this is the perfect opportunity for us here. So let's go ahead and get right into the right into the bait check. It is 25 minutes into the show. This is your first bait check. So bring that line in. Make sure it's got plenty of bait still on it. If it doesn't, get it refit on there. Get it back out. Maybe you need to change directions if you haven't caught yet. Or hopefully you've already caught a limit in this 25 minutes and you're on your way home. A super win. This bait check is being brought to you by The Sinker Guy. Head on over to thesinkerguy.com and take a look at all the stuff that Chip's got going on in The Sinker Guy garage. If you're just getting out and surf uh, for the first time, you're getting ready to start into this adventure, you can go in there. He's got a surf, uh, surf fishing starter bundle. It's got bait, it's got scissors, sinkers, rigs, all set up for success. Maybe you need to get your hands on the Bruno rig. We don't talk about Bruno. That's the important piece. He's got them. The ever helpful and loving well, I've said it so many times, I love this rig. The mortician rig. He's got them and he's got the extra snoods. Maybe you need some terminal tackle or some other gear. Got you covered. Head on over to thesinkerguy.com. Get your order in today. Quick shipping. Outstanding customer service. So after you've been running this business, you're coming up in your third season here. What have been some valuable lessons learned about running your own charter business? Okay, so what I've learned is you got to just like forewarn people that everything in life isn't guaranteed. Like people try to come in with high expectations of, oh, we're going to catch a 12-foot hammerhead. And I hate to say like, oh, I have to give you a reality check. But it's like, no, those fish are few and far between and guys that you see on Instagram and Facebook and everything that catch those consistently have put in thousands and thousands of hours. So I always just like break down to people like, I know you have really, we have really good odds. Nothing's guaranteed. I'm not God. I have about eight out of 10 odds to land a big shark. You know, when I say a big shark, anything bigger than five foot is a good size shark for most people who've never caught a shark. Right. It's a, it's, it's, you know, it's as big as you basically It weighs over a hundred pounds. It's over five foot. It's, it's a big fish. Most people have never experienced a fish that big. And, uh, so yeah, I've learned, you know, just to basically give people realistic expectations. I, uh, learned, you know, I had to learn to basically have a deposit made down because I had one guy try to screw me over. I don't need to get all into that, but just, uh, Basically, that not every person is going to be great. Majority of my customers are. 98% of all my customers have been completely awesome, but there's always going to be that 2% in anything, you know what I'm saying, yeah. that just aren't happy. So it's just basically and never leaving mad, I would have to say. Never getting like too frustrated with somebody. Just being able to talk to people and just have them have a realistic expectation of what's going to happen for the day. It's the one bad thing about social media, I think, man. I mean, it's it gets so glamour. I mean, you, you know, it's like the YouTubers, they're out there, you know, oh, you're catching fish. Yeah, but if you look at the daylight or something like that, I mean, you can see it. they've been out there 12 hours. Maybe it's their second day. Right. Maybe, maybe it's exactly. this. It's such a challenge. So, yeah, good job on bringing people back to reality on that. I mean, setting the real expectations of, look, we're going to, I'm going to make it happen, but. Right. I'm going to do everything in my, my, in my power to try to put you on good fish. Yeah. But, and just like as every fisherman knows, some days you can do everything up and beyond and the fish are just not going to cooperate. Like you might, we might have had a good day. We might have caught, you know, 15 whiting and a couple of three foot sharks. And, you know, we caught one big stingray or something like that but we never got a big shark, uh, big shark ride to go off. But at least what I've learned is when you give a client the opportunity to say, Hey, I know you really wanted to target a big fish. I'll give you a little bit of a discount. I'll give you a break on either this trip, or you can book another trip and I'll give you a discounted rate nine times out of 10. They want to book again and go again because they did see that, you know, I did kayak out 12 different times when we changed the baits four times on three rods that are deployed. I've casted over a hundred little baits, like, you know, work, work my tail off to try to produce but the ocean just wasn't giving back the beach was not cooperating that day yeah she's capable of that at times <laughs> she is she is man. she really is well, and you know and like as, as a guide you know that's my whole mission it's like i'm not just trying to take you out there have a shit day and take your money no i want you to have a memorable experience i want you to take something from it and learn and you know that's the whole goal is to catch a big shark 
but sometimes it just doesn't happen and there's nothing I can do about it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, there's, it's not like it's impossible, but if the shark's there, I always tell people if it's going to happen, it can happen within the first 20 minutes or it could literally be in six hours, seven hours when we're wrapping up and you know, we could be getting a, raw, a run right then. And then we have a crazy day and we hook into three, four sharks right at the very end. <laughs> and the bad part is, is I've actually seen that happen and heard about it so many times. Last cast. Yeah. Here we go. Last cast. Literally last cast. I always say last cigarette. I'm, I know it's a bad habit, but I'm a cigarette smoker. And I always say this is my last cigarette. And usually within that cigarette, the rod takes off. <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> nice. So glad. Yeah, my That's good. Thing, it's always my flick. They say when you flick it and you look up. It's usually just <laughs> drive it to success. Nice, dude. I, I pretty much, man. I'm like, oh, thank you, thank you, Lord. We got them. We're about to hook up. So let's move into the, one of my favorite parts of the show, uh, and this is the old stealing your knowledge, also known as let's get this stuff down for tips and tricks to help people out here. So, yeah, we're going to talk. Um, like you said, your personal fishing is about the same as your guide fishing. So this is going to be really easy for you to give, go down this path. So when you're going to go out, Hey, I'm going to go fishing today. How do you plan your fishing trip? Okay. So basically it just depends on the day. If it's going to be a day or night trip where I'm going to go, just say it's just a normal, it's going to be like a Saturday trip. Um, I'm usually, I'm just going to see what the, I'm going to check magic seaweed, old magic seaweed, see what the wind's doing and what the surf's looking like. And then I'm going to pick my spot, and it's usually a lot of – I do a lot of scouting just to see where the fish are biting and stuff. It just moves spots a lot. But I'll just go ahead. I get everything ready the night before. You know, I'll make four or five rigs for the big deployment rigs, depending on how many reels I'm going per reel, and uh, get everything set up. On the way to my spot, there's uh, my favorite tackle shop, probably the best one in South Carolina, Tightline Bait and Tackle with Leon Allen. Um, I always go in there. I'll stop and get some fresh shrimp from him, some mullet. He has he carries shark bait too, so then I'll get a little bit of shark bait if I don't have anything fresh from the night before. Head on down to the beach, and uh, I've fished. I'm from here, so I've fished almost every possible inch of the island that I fish on. So I usually know where they're going to be. So I have my my favorite spots that I go to. So then take my hike to my spot, man. Set everything up. Start fishing from the bottom. We'll throw out some shrimp rods out. I call them little bait rods. I always throw like shrimp or a little piece of blue crab or cut mullet or something. Toss those out. Toss out the bigger surf rods. Get the kayak reel set up. Jump in my kayak. Paddle three baits out. And I always, you know, I like to hit every depth of the beach is what I say. So I'll start at, you know, I'll paddle one 100 yards. Then I'll paddle one 300 yards. And then 500 yards. And then I'll have a couple baits casted in between. And then, you know, I have like for the pompano, I'll do a real short casted little bait rod where it's right off the first breaker and then I'll throw one long. Same thing just in the first, second, or third guts. But for me, it's a real slow, shallow drop off here. So I can be a thousand yards off the beach, brother, and I'm still in like 13, 14 foot of water. It's really, really <laughs> a gradual drop off here. It's, it kind of sucks. So I don't have too many guts, but I do know where like some pockets are from just exploring in the kayak and just fishing all over. I do know where some deeper guts are. So I'll throw in there and just see what I can do. Yeah. That long beach stuff really does mess with fishing. And it, the, oh, that... oh, it does. You and, talk... and the water here is pretty dirty. It's like a, we have so many oysters and so much pluff mud, you know, it's like the, it's the marsh quicksand that yeah. our water is not even blue. It's like that dirty green. So if I can see more than a foot down, that is great visibility. Like I can usually put my hand in the water and I can't see it. Yeah, you do have that a little, but I mean, where you're at, I mean, you got that whole out inlet right there. So you got the inflow oh, yeah. and the outflow. You got just, you, oh, yeah. you're getting beat up no matter what you do there. No matter what big time. See, it's, it's shallow water with, we have a six foot. It's usually a six, six and a half foot to seven foot tide here. And then we'll get big king tides with the new moon and the full moon where they're over 10 foot. So like when I'm on the beach, like just say, I usually like to start my day at low tide. It's probably my favorite time to start. So then I get more water and get more, you know, farther out, basically. I'll lose 100 yards of beach, no problem, in a whole tide cycle in six hours. Yeah, y'all got that weird stuff over there in the Atlantic. It, dude, it messes me up. And I've said this it's on other bad, episodes. Man. It's so, 
it's so weird. It's like, oh, all right, hold on, let me walk it down. And then the right, tide switch, yeah. and you're like running back so you don't and get completely swamped. Like, as soon as you get, and basically how I feel, because I have eight rods out, it's basically by the time I've just moved them all, I'm moving them again. But usually <laughs> I'll be, and I'm hoping I just get hooked up in the moving process is basically how I look at it. Sometimes I'll have clients that are like, should we move the rods? And I'm like, just leave them. We're 15 yards off the beach. If someone doesn't want to walk around us, I'm just going to tell them, walk around us. Like, I'm not moving these again. I need a second. I just moved them twice in a matter of an hour. <laughs> we just need a second. <laughs> oh, I get that. We, you oh, start- yeah. Traffic cones is what I thought about putting around me. Just go around, please. No, yeah. Yeah, I get that. Well, you talked oh, about yeah. the importance of, of scouting. You're like, hey, yeah, you know, I go out and scout and stuff and let's back into that. Let's dig into that. It's a smidge there. Uh, okay. Basically the big question is, is how do you select a spot? And what I'm going with, with that for you on this one, cause you already talked about the scouting and pieces there. What are you looking for? That's going to say, I'm going here. Okay. So for me, like when I'm doing a deployment trip, I want to avoid all structure, basically anything that's off the beach. Like I want to open clear sandy flat bottom, basically along where the fish between two inlets is basically how where I fish like off the beach because those fish to start travel from one inlet to the other they're going to hit that coastline and because all those and we have a bunch of bait fish and because it's so shallow those bait fish push real close man like in the in the beginning of the spring we have a mullet run pretty similar to you guys and we get pogies all up and along the beach so there'll be a thousand pelicans diving There'll be seagulls everywhere. There'll be sharks busting. There'll be all kinds of fish just feeding and eating dolphins everywhere. And it's perfect. It's like game on. But I look for like basically for me a place where there's no structure for like a open beach day. So like the pier days, I go to the deeper water all up onto the pylons, all into the structure and looking for bigger fish like that. And then I do like also like the little shelves. I do have a couple spots here where you can go out and you paddle out like a hundred yards and you go from, let's just say five foot of water to 40 foot of water, basically in a matter of a second. And they're just super deep, heavy current channels where you have to use a ton of weight. Like I'll be using a 32 ounce spider weight to hold, but it's worth it. You know what I'm saying? So but most of the time I'm just looking for somewhere that's clear where there's not a lot of structure on the bottom. So I can, so I don't get cut off because it does suck when you paddled out a bait 500 yards, you turn around, you get hooked up within 10 minutes, and then he cuts you off. And then you have to repaddle out another bait <laughs> the same distance and go out and do it again and again and again. It's just part of the game. But, yeah, man, I, I basically, for that kind of fish, I'm like, I avoid structure and people. I look for spots, too, where, like, I usually look about it where, like, okay, where are the people not going to go? And I always make the joke that we take a walk long enough that only dog walkers and shark tooth hunters are going to make this trek. That's it. Nobody else is going to come here for a family day on the beach. <laughs> good stuff. Okay. That's a lot of good yeah. info. Yeah. I just, I just stay away from the crowds, man. And that's a really like, that was like the thing that I really learned just over time. As soon as you get away from people that are all splashing and playing in the water, which you shouldn't do that regardless, because I don't want my kids swimming next to fish hooks and everything like that either. But when you go away from civilization, the fish are there. It's uninhabited. There's nobody splashing in the water. There's no one disturbing their ecosystem. So they're just gravitating towards there. Is basically how I feel about it. It makes sense. I mean, it's, it's a good point. It's a good point of view re- reference right there. So, yeah, yeah, totally understand that. Moving in with this now, let's work, let's talk about the gear here. So, what type okay. of rigs and leaders, sinkers? Let's let's talk about all that support equipment. Uh, run it however you want. There, I'll follow you in. But what are you using? Okay, so so I really like the Akuma Makaira 50 wide. I'm a firm believer that you can land almost any fish in the ocean on a 50 wide. So what I do is I, I run a little bit different than most land-based shark fishing guys. I run complete and solid braid. I run straight 150 pound or 200 pound Power Pro, all braid. I got a, a, a 50 wide Akuma Makaira that I slap full of 200 pound. I get a thousand yards on the dot, and then I have a 50 wide narrow that I run. And I get 900 yards, 900 yards on that. And then I have an older international, a 50 international. And I put 150 pound on that and I get like 1100 yards on that. And like I said, I don't really kayak those farther than a, a thousand yards. So if you have 500 yards left on your reel, if a fish goes five football fields, that's a really big fish. <laughs> yeah. 
and um, so then for the leaders, what I do is uh, I usually I make majority of them. I do get some from my buddy Blake at Hillbilly's Guide Service. Shout out to him. He sends me rattle rigs, and they definitely did help me out a lot this season. I caught a 10-foot hammer on one, uh, the second hammer we ever got out of Beaufort and the first one by myself that I caught, and that was that was awesome. And uh, so what that basically is is it's 40 foot of 8 or 1,200-pound mono, and then I use about 5 foot of 900-pound cable with a 20-aught catch-all circle hook. And if I can't get the 900-pound coated cable, I do like the old school number 19, 400-pound wire, and use about three foot of that. So my rigs are roughly about 45 foot. And then what attaches to those on a slider is uh, usually a 16 that's out, a 16 ounce spider weight that I get from my buddy Adam Williams at Low Country Shark Tackle, and he makes all of those, and he's right out of Beaufort, and uh, they hold great, man. They they just as soon as you drop it, it hits the bottom. They catch and you're locked on. I'll drop anywhere from a two-pound bait to a 40-pound bait on them. I've dropped some monster baits. Smaller baits are better, but uh, they'll hold a, a three-foot-wide live stingray that's sitting on the bottom. It's They're they're awesome. And then for uh, the smaller setups, sometimes I cheat and I drop the spinning rods 100 yards off the beach in the kayak. So when I do that, I'll make a miniature version of those. I'll use a 20-foot leader, a 400-pound mono, and then I'll use either number 19 wire again, or 600 pound cable, uh, a 12, a 12 eye Eagle Claw circle hook. And I also use from Jeremy Evans, he'll send me some rigs, the longest cast HD shark rigs, and they are by far the best casting rig I've ever used. They're 250 pound mono with like a foot of 280 pound cable with an eight eye Gamma Got two, And those things fly, man. If you get one of the sinker guys, uh, six ounce Sputniks, those things launch, <laughs> and those were great. I caught some good, I caught some good fish on those. And I told Jeremy, I said the only thing I don't like about them is it's a seven foot leader, and I hooked too big a fish on them. He's like, dude, if you guys fight them right, they'll work. And they sure enough did. The biggest shark I caught on one this year was eight and a half foot. So they definitely work. A bunch of black tips, bull reds, all that. So those are what I normally run for like the shark and bigger fishing off the beach, and uh. Then for the smaller stuff, for like the whiting and pompano and bluefish and stuff like that, I usually do one of each. So I do like a modified Carolina rig where it's about 18 inches, a 20-pound mono. I use either a one-aught or two-aught Mustad owner, or it's a mosquito owner hook, and they're just really badass little J hooks, and they work great. And uh, then I just put a one-ounce Sputnik guy sinker on there, one-ounce little Sputnik. And launch that, and then I just do a high-low rig, man, and uh, throw either one of those out. And usually the single Carolina rig works better for me up here, which is crazy, but they both work. And uh, those are usually my go-to rigs to run off the beach. Those are good rigs, man. And I got I am a huge eating crow, I guess is better. I, I am eating crow for the fact that I overlooked a Carolina rig in the surf for so long. And that, yeah. those things are great, man. I mean, it's like, what the hell? Why did I go? Why did I always do it like this? Throw a little right. guy out there with a Carolina rig, and I'm, you're, you're crushing it. You're gonna catch. Man, listen, I'll catch anything from Brian. I swear to you, we'll catch you know normal little whiting, and I've caught three and a half, four foot bonnet heads, four five foot wide stingrays, all on just a shrimp, <laughs> just a shrimp on a Carolina rig on 18, 18 inches of twenty or thirty pound mono with a little one or two out hook. And just fight them on real low drag and just run up and down the beach with them. Yeah. And the Carolina rig is like, I always say it's five to one. For every five fish I catch on that, I'm catching one on the high low. But then some days the Carolina rig doesn't work and then it's the high low rig. Yeah. And then some days I'll get creative and I'll put like four hooks on the rig because <laughs> <laughs> there's no limit here. So I'll just see where they're biting and I'll be like, okay, they're biting at the very top or they're biting at the very bottom. That's where the fish are at. Oh man, that's so funny because I totally get that. <laughs> oh yeah, sometimes like people will be like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "Have you ever been offshore?" And they're like, "No." I'm like, "Well, if you ever went snapper fishing, you ever done it with a commercial guy, this is what you would do." And so I'll make like a a giant chicken rig, with, you know, a mini chicken rig with four or five hooks on it, and just launch it out there, and then you know we'll catch a couple whiting on at a time. They'll think it's a nice fish, and it's always funny, man. I think it's a blast. 
Definitely a blast. So absolutely a blast. I'm all smiling over here because I'm just like, yep, yep, been yes, there, sir. been there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just I feel like that's like always like my last resort. I'm like, come on, God, one little bit of everything. I got a piece of shrimp, a little piece of whiting, a piece of blue crab, and then I got a little piece of squid on there. Man, me and squid don't get along. Every time I've used anything squid related, I always catch a ray. Always. See, now I I purposely fish for stingrays. Yep. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, for the shark bait. So there'll usually be a little cup of squid around me and anywhere I get to catch a little, a smaller shark or a ray just yeah. about any time. I, it, you know, we've talked about it numerous times throughout all the th- podcasts and all these, you got to take a myriad of bait with you. I mean, you, you can't just oh, go yeah, out there. Absolutely. You can't, yep. You can't just walk out there with one artificial and a piece of sh- and shrimp. You know, it's like, all right, no. maybe I could get, maybe I should bring some crab knuckles or maybe some mullet, finger mullet, horse mullet. Right, exactly. You, you don't, again, it depends on what you're doing, obviously. You know, I'm not going to throw a piece of mullet out for a pomp, but yeah, right, exactly. It depends on what you're targeting, what you're looking for. And like the crazy thing around here, man. We don't have like sand fleas or anything like that. My number one go-to for surf fishing is fresh shrimp. Yeah, you go to the I, there. We have stands because we are a total Sea Island community, a bunch of commercial fishermen and everything. And I can go get a pound of shrimp for you know three bucks, four bucks. Nice. And go get a pound of shrimp, man, and just launch those little pieces, put them whole, whatever. And fresh shrimp, I've never not been able to knock on some wood, catch some fish on it, which is just around in my area. You know what I'm saying? And I've done the same tactic and have gone down to Florida. I know then they've hit fish gum or the fish bites or whatever and, you know, different like sand fleas and stuff like that and been blown away. Like, why aren't they eating shrimp like this? Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a funky game, that's for sure. Uh, but you got to take that out there because you, you never know or uh, you never know what's going to happen until you're there. So. Oh, yeah, you really don't. <laughs> All right. Well, this is a perfect opportunity for us here. Let's go ahead and get another bait check knocked out. It is your second bait check of the episode. Hopefully you've caught a bunch of fish and we were just talking about bait. So maybe you have to switch it up, change it out. Who knows? Maybe it's something to do if it's not biting. Maybe you need to move spots. Either way, let's get you set up for success. Move on out there. This bait check is being brought to you by Ninja Tackle. Head on over to NinjaTackleVA.com. Take a look at everything that Matt's got going on in the Ninja Tackle shop. You need rods? He's got you. The 11 foot, the 12 foot, the bummy stick. Or my favorite, the seven-foot go-to. Oh, love all the rods right there. Maybe you need some rigs. He's got you. Lures. All the good things. He's got it in the shop. So head on over there to take a look. If you are in the tackle business or you have a tackle shop, if you reach out to Ninja Tackle, they are currently running a deal where they are looking to expand with partners. So if you're looking to get some Ninja Dagger rods in your shop, reach on out to Matt and let him know, hey, let's talk get you set up there. Or if you're into firearms and you're looking at optics or any kind of firearms accessories, why, yes, they have that. Ninja Tactical. Go on in there, take a look at ninjatackleva.com. So when you're going to somewhere new, and I know that, I mean, for you, you're surrounded by, you, you know, being on the island there, you've got some decent areas to play with. I mean, you got, what is it? Uh, St. Helena to the north, Um, and then you got Hilton head to the South, but you've got so much beachfront property that you can go to and fish, which is great in the South Carolina region. Well, well there, I'm going to stop you right there. Okay. Cause it's a little bit tougher than you would expect in my area. Beaufort, we have so much private Island, like Fripp Island is private. Harbor Island is private. You have, and then you go over to Hilton head and a lot of those places, like the only place it's not like you have like sea pines, you have like Palmetto Bluff. Most of these people, like if you look on Google Maps, you'd be like, holy crap, they have so much beach to fish. Okay, you have a lot of beach to fish, but only certain places you can fish. Like for me, being a shark guy, I'd love to be able to shark fish more at night. I can only get onto the state park from 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah. I can fish there at night. I can't get onto Fripp Island because I'm not allowed to. Uh, have a guide service over there or if I don't have a pass called and I can't do the same thing same thing with like Harbor Island and then we have like a beach called Land's End Beach and the beach is mainly a strip of beach about a quarter mile long and you literally fish in the woods which it's an awesome spot and uh, I've caught a lot of fish there it's just a different it's like a funky place I always say you're fishing in the jungle but at high tide there's no beach left and that's the only time you can fish because 
it goes out for about 300 yards. It's between five to six foot of water and it drops off to 30 foot, but at low tide, it's only two and a half foot of water and you can't pull the fish off that hundred yard drop off. It's, it's, it's insane. So there is spots you can fish, but a lot of them, and then like there's another couple public spots, they're so shallow and full of oysters, you can't even throw a rig out there, man, without losing it. You lose every other fish and every other rig. Wow, I didn't realize it had gotten that tight. Yeah, yeah, man. So, yeah, like it's like you can't just go out to like all these little spots that you used to be able to where they weren't private. That it's basically you have to either have a pass to get out there or a connection to know somebody to get there. And it's all on a time scale, basically. So it's crazy. Like it is a pretty tough fishery. And like, yeah, I can go to this pier. It's called the Broad River Pier, but it's five miles inland. But the thing that's crazy is it's basically a mini ocean. It's a two and a half mile wide river. And it, it's what splits Paris Island and Hilton Head. So I know you've seen the river. Yeah. And like Kobe swim up there, tarpon, jacks, monster sharks, big black drum, bull reds, everything swim up there. And that's like where I offer the other extent of my services. So I'm not just all beachfront. I fish in the 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 ocean river is basically what it is the broad river and it's it's at the end of the at the end of the pier it's almost 50 foot deep so it's insane to think that like off my beach it doesn't get any deeper than 15 foot but i can travel a few miles inland and it's a literal trench that's just trenched through and it's 50 foot of water and 40 foot at low tide man that's a serious flow yeah yeah man it is it's it's crazy and like you can't like you drop down to hit the bottom just to fish for smaller fish you're using eight ounce six to eight ounces of lead like for drum i drop 12 ounces of lead for sharks i drop like 24 ounces so yeah it's a super it's a super it's a and we have some nasty currents that's like our number one like claws on all our beaches our rip currents are nasty through here man just they'll suck you up and you'll be gone you'll be down the beach 300 yards i've I've had kayaking trips where I think I'm doing great, and I look back, there ain't nobody there. Where the <laughs> hell am I, man? <laughs> you get stuck in a rip current, and you're you're still 150 yards off the beach, but you've gone 320 yards down the beach the other way. <laughs> so you got to angle yourself. Like I've just learned over time, like you figure out what way the current's ripping, and then you angle your direction of where you're going to go to drop, and you just have to basically time it. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. Well, yes, so sir. with all the, so with all the things that you've done there, if you, let's say you were going to change it up, let's say you were going to run, I don't know, you're going to run down here. What do you okay. do when you're going to go fish someplace new? Well, first I'm usually, I'm usually going to try to talk to at least a couple of local guys that know what they're doing just so I don't, not that I don't feel like an idiot, but you know, just look, just look around. You can Google's a Google and YouTube are great tools to look up anything you want. They basically give away all our knowledge anyway. And, um, but yeah, man, just, I would go down, go to some local tackle shops, go scout out some beaches and piers and just see what people are catching and what they're catching them on. And then just basically, I always feel like, I know it's cocky to say, but I always feel like my techniques that I fish here are totally capable in a lot of other places. Cause I have made a good bit of trips down, down to Florida from St. George Island, down to Miami, to Melbourne, to Daytona, Titusville, all kinds of places in between to fish with guys. And uh, we've always done pretty good and uh, learned a bunch of stuff from them. And it's just completely two different worlds. But just basically just try to see what the local people are doing and how they're catching fish too, you know, just try to talk to people. And, you know, everywhere there's always going to be the hard ass who's not going to tell you. I've been that guy before, but now it's like, no, just share your knowledge. But uh, definitely just – just trial and error too, man. Just seeing where what's going on basically. And uh it's just fishing. They're not that different everywhere you go. That is true. Uh what you said about one technique in your area works in a lot of others. I think that's one of the great things about fishing. You know, I mean, well, fishing in general, a lot of it can be utilized. You know, I've said to another bass fisherman, I'm like, look, what you do out there is the exact same thing that you could probably do here in the surf or in inshore. It's not right, too exactly. many things. You're not reinventing the wheel. All you're doing is adding a new spoke. So right, it's not exactly. that bad. You're just, right. You just have to just adjust your area. Like, okay, like I said, like shrimp usually works for me to catch all the smaller bait fish. Okay, when I go to Florida, I'm probably going to have to experiment with some fish gum, some sand fleas, some crab knuckles, do a little bit more variety. Okay, like up here, I know every time I drop a bonnethead shark, it gets completely smoked. And just say I go to Florida, 
and it doesn't, okay, they want the live cow nose or a southern stingray. Or, you know, I know that King Mackerel is universal everywhere I go, Jack Traval, stuff like that. Like, and majority of the fish will have some somewhat of a similar diet. Like, if I go down, if I fish for redfish up here, like in the flats, I know if I go down there, I can use the same technique with a weedless spoon up in the flats up there, and it will work. Or I can catch them on a, on a popping cork with a white voodoo shrimp. And they'll eat it up here, and they're going to eat it down there, and they're going to eat it in North Carolina, and they're going to eat it in Texas. Very true. Very, very true. Ne- yes, so sir. with moving into new places and trying something out, let's talk about the days where we all hate. The one where it's like, why is the rod not going off? How do you adjust your tactics for fishing when the fight when the bite isn't on fire? When the bite isn't on fire, man, I'm I'm a real big advocate of letting I let some stuff soak. It just depends if I know it's going to work. I let it soak, but I'm big, big kind of switch a bait. If I know a bait's going to work usually within an hour or so and it doesn't work, okay, I'm going to try something completely different. Uh, should I go a little bit further? Should I try a little closer? I try a lot of depths, and the depths are usually what make or break you, is what I would honestly say from my experience as being like a shark guy. Some days, man, you can go past them. You can be where you paddle five, six, seven hundred yards out. And the bite is 50 yards off the beach. You know what I'm saying? They're right there. They're in the first gut. And other days, you've dropped them all shallow. You dropped 100, 150, 200. You didn't go far enough. And when you paddle out 800 yards, by the time you got back, you're hooked up. So I feel like depth and bait. And some days the fish are finicky. You got to know what's local in the water. I would just say you got to know what bait they're actually feeding on. Are they feeding on manhaden? Are they feeding on mullet? Is there a bunch of fiddlers in the, is there a bunch of little crabs in the, in the sand right now? Is there, what's swimming through? Is it a bunch of, you know, pompano running? Is it blues running? Is it Spanish mackerel running? What are the fish eating on and what are they, what do they want? Because it's like some days there's so much live bait out, out in the water, a a little dead bait's not going to work. You have to catch a live bait to get a hit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Makes sense. So I feel like whatever the what and whatever's local. I feel like if if you bring a fresh is always better. So it's like if I know in my head, I always like to have some fresh bait like that. I caught the night before. I have like an offshore guy bring to me, you know, the day before, two days before, whatever. But if you can just get one fish, like just say you've been fishing all day and you can't catch nothing, you catch a whiting, cut them up. You'll probably catch something on the whiting. If you know the mullet weren't the frozen mullet and uh, man Hayden. And, you know, all if you all the frozen bait didn't work, fresh is usually the best bet. I would always say fresh bait is the key factor, too. Yeah, good call. Real good call right there. Definitely. You've been different places. You mentioned it. You've been to different islands. You've been to Florida. You've been over to the Carolinas. How is fishing different in your area than the others that you've noticed? I would have to say the how shallow and dirty the water is and the currents, man. I know you guys have some. Like I know on your side of the Gulf, it's it's like it always reminds me of like a pond or a lake over there. I know you guys <laughs> yeah. get some waves and stuff like that, but it's a total lake. But like then again, I know like here it's it's the the major change of water in such a short span of time. It's not consistent. It goes from like I said, you'll get into the inlet and it'll be a fifty foot drop off, and you were just in fourteen foot of water, fifteen foot of water, and that's going to go out for miles. So I feel like it's. What makes it difficult here is that there isn't a lot of public access to fish different places and the way that the tides are where, you know, when you got a six foot tide and it takes 100 to 150 yards of your beach and you're literally trying to run away from the water to keep all your stuff dry, it makes it pretty difficult to fish here. Yeah, that's a little bit of a challenge. Yep. Well, good news is you're coming up on the last set of questions here. So we're going to go ahead and knock out our last bait check because it's going to be quick here in the final off. It is your final bait check of the episode. And I know it was pretty quick between the last one, but hopefully you are all good and you had a great day out on the water. This bait check is being brought to you by the Kids Can Fish Foundation. Kids Can Fish is a state and federally recognized 501c3 charitable foundation. They All their camps and clinics and outreach are funded by website merchandise sales, sponsors, and donations. The mission is to teach kids the fundamentals of fishing and have and the most important piece is to have fun. One of the things I always loved hearing when I was fishing with them at the running of the bulls on uh, St. Simon's Island was more tackle boxes, 
less Xboxes. They are doing great things in the community. So take a look at that and see how they've got things going. If you feel an opt to it, help them out. Keep these great camps going for these kids to get them out there and doing good stuff. And a website you can find that all at is kidscanfish.net. Now we're coming on the end, man. You, you've, you've survived the gauntlet. And you've only got two more questions. I, I don't know what to Dang, do with this. Dang, man, that went by quick, brother. <laughs> That's actually, I cannot tell you the amount of times after the show that I've talked to people like, dude, that was fast. I'm like, oh, it goes quick. You don't even think about it. It just messes oh, yeah. with your head. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's talk the last one here, or the second to last one, and I find this one to be one of the most important questions. What knowledge would you give to a brand new angler? Be patient. Be patient. Don't don't be scared to ask locals how to fish, what to use, what baits to dry. Don't be don't think that you're not doing enough by not catching time is your friend okay the more time you spend out there the less the less time you spend on the sand the less fish you're going to catch the more time you spend on the sand the more knowledge you're going to obtain and more fish you're going to catch so time is your friend and patience is key when it comes to a new angler because i see a lot of guys want to start and they don't catch nothing and they'll come to me and they'll be like man i've tried 10 times i didn't catch anything i'd be like hey man the first year i ever started fishing i caught five sharks about five foot long i wanted to quit until my brother Judah put me on one. It was five it was five foot three inches. It was a black tip. We caught on a Niot Senator and I was completely through the roof. It took me all summer. It literally we got into the we got into the middle of September. I didn't catch my shark. He did. My buddies caught sharks. I was the only one who didn't. I was like, man, I'm gonna sell all my gear. We went out there, we caught one, and it was the greatest feeling of my life. And I caught four more and four more trips. So don't give up. Just be patient and time is your friend. Good stuff, man. Very, very good talking about patience. You're actually, I think, one of the very first guys to talk about that. Really? That's funny, man. Yeah, just be patient, man. (laughs) All right. You're on the last one here. What's next for you? Next for me, man, a 12-foot tiger. Ooh, foot tiger. He's, he's on my list, man. He's on my hit list. He's the one fish that's eluded me for the last 10 years. I've caught hammers. I've caught bulls. I've caught lemons. I've caught sandbars. I've caught basically every shark but a, a white, a mako, and a tiger. And uh, the tiger is the one that's really obtainable for me. So I'm going to be trying very hard to get a 12-foot-plus tiger shark off my bucket list this year. That's the game plan. Man, I hope you do. I look forward to seeing when you post that on social media. I, I seriously, oh, yeah, I'm seriously, I'm going to be so jazzed for you catching that. Uh, thank you, brother. Yeah, that's that's the goal. Twelve foot plus tiger shark, thousand pounds out of my backyard is the really the goal. Anywhere, I'm I'm probably going to make a trip to do it. But if I can do it in my backyard, that's going to be what's next for me, man. Good, uh, you're going to do it. I know it. I, I got full faith. You're going to nail it. Ah, <laughs> uh, well. I mean, thank you for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. I, I cannot stress enough how thankful I am for you to take the time out of your day. I know it's in the evening here for you to just come on, talk fishing, talk about all your charter and all the business. I seriously appreciate every second that you gave me tonight. Hey, thank you so much again, Brian. I really appreciate you, man. It was great talking to you, man. And I look forward to seeing more podcasts from you and seeing everything like that. And everybody, y'all stay salty, stay tight. It was good talking to you. Don't forget, check us out. Salty Savage Experience, book for your season of 2023. Thanks again, Brian. Thank you, brother. We'll talk soon. Sounds good. Bye, brother. Bye. All right, ladies and gentlemen, there you go. I mean, I hope that that was good for you because I picked up a lot of good stuff there. And I mean, guess we all have to go to South Carolina and do some fishing. Oh, no, not that. <laughs> oh, man, good stuff. Well, go ahead and take a look back at the website uh, when you get done with this. If you want to take a look at all of Eli's stuff, you've got him on Facebook for the Salty Savage Experience. Then you got him on TikTok, Salty Savage 2.0. You can find him on there. These will be hyperlinked back. Thanks for sticking around to the show. I appreciate you every week being here. Hopefully this helped you out. If it did, make sure you share it out to somebody that could use the knowledge. We all want to make everyone better in our whole fishing community. And this is the only way that uh, I know how to do it, really, because I'm not a YouTuber. Sorry. (laughs) Hopefully this helps you. All right. You've been listening to Find a Demo Surf Fishing. I am out of here.